Hey guys, Nick from the Indie Ball Report here. Uh, after the episode that you're about to listen to is concluded, we got some great news. An uh, article that was written earlier in the week by my co-host James was tweeted out by the Sussex County Miners. So we'd like to go ahead and thank them greatly for their support and for promoting it. Uh, they didn't have to do that. It was a very classy move on their part, and we are very grateful and appreciative that they would do such a thing. And hopefully we can work with them in the future to provide you with some grade A content. We'd also like to thank Indy Harbaugh for tweeting out the link to our first episode. Uh, once again, they also did not have to do that, so we're very appreciative of them and everything they do for the indie ball community. And then we'd also like to thank Wildcat Photography for going ahead and sponsoring this episode. We appreciate their support as well. So without further ado, enjoy the episode that you're about to hear. Hello, my name is Nick, and I'm here with my co-host James. Coming to you from Wildcat Photography Studios. And today we're discussing the Joplin Myers Stadium Crisis, McCoy Stadium's future, and a trio of big moves from the East Coast Indie Clubs. So grab a bat and step into the batter's box, because you're listening to the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, so... Just before we start getting into today's show, there's a couple of uh, items on the agenda just for some housekeeping. Uh, last week, we went ahead and made one small mistake, and that is on me here. Uh, the Can-Am League did not, in fact, play Cuba last year. It was the Salinas Stockade from the Pecos League and the Dominican Republic's national team. Right. So, we had said it was Cuba and Dominican Republic. That was our mistake. That was 2017. That the, it was those two teams and not 2018. So that's just a quick correction there. Um, also one there. Uh, there. I had promised a YouTube version. Uh, things kind of got a bit away from me. And that never really came to fruition. <laughs> We're uh, working on it. We're working it, on it. It's going to get there. Uh, it's not that impressive of a version when it does get here. We're going to shoot for it to be done this week for this week's episode. So episode one just will not, will not have a uh, YouTube version to it. But this week we're going to shoot to get that done. And hopefully that will be out within a day of this episode's actual release. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so hopefully it'll be out, say, Sunday. That's going to be the shoot for uh, the YouTube version. It won't be anything spectacular, but that's just something it, that's there. <laughs> uh, also, just pimping this out, uh, it's going to be... Our show got approved for iTunes and Spotify now, so if you are an Apple device, you could just download it straight from the iTunes store. And if you do not, you could just go ahead and download Spotify and check us out right from there. Uh, Indie Ball Report on both of them. Uh, it should list us on iTunes as just Indie Ball Report by Unknown. That's just due to trying to get us onto Google. I had to do some stuff here, so <laughs> I just need to go ahead and correct that. But just to let you know, it is Indie Ball Report by Unknown. You just go ahead, click that, and then click subscribe. Yeah, definitely subscribe to that. Uh, we're going to, obviously, as we said last week, we're going to be doing weekly shows. And as as uh, you might see coming up, uh, we're going to be doing, I'm going to be writing uh, more articles about uh, independent league baseball and different things that are going on within uh, the, the different leagues, Can-Am leagues and uh, the Atlantic League and things like that. Yep, and that's what the next thing on the agenda here is the article that you wrote this week. It, it's the first one we got on the site, yep. and we did get some feedback from uh, one of the main... Uh, well, subjects in the article, so I'll go ahead and defer over to you to go ahead and talk about the uh, 
piece you wrote. Yeah, so I wrote um, an article called The Case for Independent League Baseball. Um, and basically it's talking about the importance of independent league baseball in our society today. Um, and the subject for it is the Sussex County Miners uh, and their championship run last year, specifically Game 6 of their championship uh, season. Uh, the championship game, and it was really an interesting thing as I was writing it, I felt like I was putting myself back into the mode of being at the game and that excitement, uh, and it really, for me, it, it gave me a moment of clarity of why we do things like this, and you know, and what the importance of independent league baseball is. Yeah, it definitely go to hand, kind of gave you that mindset, it took you back to that game, to the pressure situation, and really that's the, the best way I think you could describe independent league baseball is almost like being a kid in your backyard again. Yeah. You just go ahead and have that like championship game on the line, bases loaded, two outs. Yep. And it all comes down to this pitch kind of moment. And so it it truly did bring you back to that. And I thought it was a terrific piece there. A lot of personal reflection in that too as well. I think it's definitely good. And you can find that on the website. Uh, the website is also linked in our Twitter description and in the description of every single episode we put out in the link section. Just go to the website, click articles, and it will be there. And it should be under our recent tweets as well, a direct link to that article. Yep, and also I'll be doing that weekly. Uh, so if you uh, keep checking in every week, I'll have an article that is supplementary to our show, and it'll have something to do pertaining to um, independent league baseball and the health of different leagues, and also just the importance of it in, in our society uh, today. Yep. Very well said. And so Thanks. with that, let's jump into the show. So the first topic we got on the agenda here is the Joplin Miners Stadium crisis. Now the Joplin Miners are part of a new startup league, the Southwest League, which we will talk in more detail about a little bit later on in the show here. But the important things here to know about Joplin, just some background information, is they are a new team. They do replace a team that played in the American Association a little bit uh, ways ago. Right. And. Uh, yeah, uh, the thing about them is they're supposed to start play last year, they didn't, and now they're supposed to start play this year, and they have the problem of they didn't make their first payment for the lease on the stadium. <laughs> That's a problem, they didn't pay their rent. <laughs> they, they not only missed the first payment, they were given a late date payment as well, which was basically a deferred date that would be paid later in the month of January. Right. Uh, the first payment was due on the 1st, or the 15th, rather, of uh, January. And it came out on the 25th, a little bit before we recorded the first episode of the show, actually, but that episode's packed, so we couldn't get this in. Yeah. Um, that they were going to miss that date as well. Yeah, they did miss that date as and well. so now that that date's coming past here, their full rent amount has not been paid and does not look like it's going to be paid. Uh, the lease agreement was a five-year lease signed in 2018 that would take them to 2023. That was a $35,000 a year lease agreement. Right. which had to be paid in full every single January. And it doesn't look like it's going to get paid in any January now. Nope. Because that, that little attempt at a leak, I should say, <laughs> as you'll come to realize soon, isn't really structured. No, it's um, not structured. Uh, it's just kind of a weird thing here. Uh, they were slated to go ahead and play at the uh, Joe Becker Stadium in Joplin. Uh, that just got a fairly recent uh, renovation at 4.7 million. That happened in 2014. And it was about a year later that that other American uh, association team came in. They only stuck around for a little bit and then they left and then since a collegiate wood bat team was in there, but now it's supposed to be a return to uh, independent league ball and pro ball in general there. 
Right. Yeah, and I, I think the the main issue with uh, you know Joplin and, and the Southwest League as we get into it is that you don't have a strong leadership system. You know, people have to be in place that understand business and baseball. You can't just have one or the other. You have to have both business and baseball in order for these leagues to work. That's exactly. why you see leagues like the Can-Am League, the Atlantic League. They really know what they're doing. They're on top of their stuff, obviously, yeah. uh, the American Association as well. Yeah. Uh, so just another thing here on the note, just on the specifics of everything here. This is not the first time they've had a mishap, we'll call it. Uh, their mishap first came when they needed to release a schedule of just how things were going to work, just a general overview on a plan. This was coming late last year. Supposedly, they submitted a plan, but no announcement was ever made publicly about the plan. Just that we put something in place, it's there, we just can't announce it yet. Yep. And so that's concerning. That's concerning in the sense that you would think that's something you'd want to announce. Publicly. Right. You'd yeah. want to make it known that, look, these are the steps, these are the plans. We understand we missed one date already, but we're not going to miss anymore. It's all going to be smooth sailing from here. Yeah. And as their city man, the city manager of Joplin said, Sam Ansem, he believes it's highly unlikely that there's going to be baseball in Joplin. That's unbelievable. Here. That's it, absolutely unbelievable. If you look at how this is developed, you know, this is an easy situation, should be an easy situation for a team to slide right into, and they're failing again and again. Exactly. It's just. It should be a simple solution here of just, this is what the plan is, which, if you did truly make the plan, which, the fact that they, the city of Joplin was expecting a payment tells me that there was, at the very least, a tentative agreement reached. Yeah, definitely. Then, I would expect, at some point here, you to follow through with your plan. I would expect that it should not be that hard. It would just be a matter of, okay... We paid the rent, now this is the next thing that's on the list, and so on and so forth. I mean, uh, the head of this whole operation on the Joplin side for baseball is Mark Schuster, and he still says, quote, I still feel hopeful for Joplin. Now, I don't understand what this is going to be hopeful about when you keep missing dates. You keep missing payment dates. You keep m missing a date for a plan. Uh... He says he spent almost four years of his professional life now to create this league, and he still feels hopefully he can make it a reality. That's great that you feel hopeful. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, I mean, it's just, what's that going to get you? I mean, it's, it's important to stay hopeful when you're in the, the thick of it, right. but you need to see a tangible result. And right now, the only tangible results that are being seen is the fact that you can't afford to pay 35000 for a stadium. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the inherent issue, is when you're talking about how we think uh, you know this is supposed to go, they don't do a good job of, this is complete mismanagement. Yeah, great, he's hopeful. But, you know, it's like we were, we were saying before, we were talking about it off the air, that, uh, you know, you can, only, you can only be so hopeful when uh, things aren't going to go your way. So, you know, we're talking about, you, if you have two Ds and an F and you want to, you know, be a 4.0 student, that's not going to happen. This guy, you know, he's, he's exactly. hopeful and he's missed, you know, two payments already. Exactly. So, one was Oh, well, I, I'm failing two classes, and i got to see in another one. I'm still hopeful I could get to 3-5 for the semester. I understand yeah. it's March, but, you know, I feel hopeful I can in the last month and a half. Yeah, it's I'm like hopeful. A, exactly. It's like I'm on a minimum wage job. I'm hopeful I can afford a house on this salary. He should be doubtful, but, I mean, like, you can hope for the best. I wouldn't be hitting him so hard if the rest of the league was all put together and it's just right. one, because you can understand maybe something's gone wrong with the city, maybe you change in leadership, something like that. But as you're going to see, as we we're about to discuss the rest of the Southwest League, there's supposed to be six teams. There were six teams planned, five in Texas, the one in Joplin. And 
Two of them haven't been announced yet yep. as to where they're even going to play those. We planned a half of them. <laughs> for a league that, keep in mind, first pitch is in April of this year. Yeah, so, April 20, uh, 2019 is, is exactly, the start. Exactly, the supposed start date. So what is that? About two months away. Yep, and and this and this league, by the way, is ran by Mark Schuster, who doesn't, uh, you know, isn't uh, doing anything here. He's he's hopeful. He's uh, you know, he's hopeful he's and jovial, hope. but uh, you know, it's great that he's hopeful. I mean, I applaud him for being hopeful, but I mean, like once again, that's like only going to take you so far here. Yeah, and really. Like in addition to that, there's a thirteen that's in Dallas that we know it's going to be in Dallas, we know where it's going to play, we just don't have a team name, we don't have anything else outside of, okay, it's going to be in this park, and it's going to be the Dallas somethings. I get it, the Dallas somethings, hey, forget about it, there's no need to, you know, name the, the team, it's unbelievable. Exactly, it's like, I don't understand, like, what's it going to be, the Dallas Southwest Baseball League team? <laughs> like, how's that supposed to go? I mean, like, she's just the guy that's the president of the sole operation. Right now, there's the four teams announced, the Dallas team with no name, Joplin, <laughs> uh, the Waco Blue Cats, which do seem like they have everything together there. That's good, yeah. As well as the Roy City Griffins. Those two seem like they have everything together there. I don't understand where the direction's going when you only have two of your four teams that look like they got everything together. You know, it's like, well... And the thing is that it's not a big league. We're not talking about 16 teams. We're talking about four teams. Get it together, Mark. Come no, on, man. No, we're talking about six teams with two to be determined. Right, six teams. Excuse, pardon me. Six teams with two to be determined, but to start off at least with, with four. Obviously, the other two probably won't be ready for the inception uh, by April uh, 2019. Oh, yeah, I don't think they're going to be ready by April 2023. Yeah. Like, I'd be surprised at this point. And the thing is, too, it very much seems like they're trying to be the Can-Am League of the West. Or the Can-Am League, the Atlantic League. The Atlantic League, yeah. Because you have 4,000-seat stadiums, which is what they're going for, between 2,000 and 4,000 is what it says on their website. Yep. Which, I mean, their website also leaves a bit to be a term, but that's the least of their concern <laughs> at the moment. It says that the renovations to Joe Becker happened about five years ago. With that, you have... Those two new stadiums in uh, Roy City and Waco that are very nice stadiums, I'm sure, just like Joe Becker's nice, I'm sure. Dallas, I didn't do much research into the ballpark because, I mean, the rest of the league didn't really warrant it. So, if three of your supposed eight, which is or supposed six minus six, six yeah. yeah, if half of your supposed league is playing in brand new nice ballparks, or, well, two of them are, one's being locked out in about a month. Yeah. <laughs> and. That's your plan. It's very clear to me. Oh, yeah, and a 112-game schedule with a 56-56 split of road and home games. It's unbelievable. That is, that is it's way very, too many games. It's, no, it's, it's a direct attack on the, on the Atlantic League. Yeah. The Atlantic League gets the same type of schedule. The they same do. April to September with playoffs going into the late September, early October range. It's, that's exactly what their plan is, or at least what they're hoping it to be, which doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore. But for an inaugural season, that's that's just not going to happen with four teams. I mean, obviously, this, we can say four because the other two just won't be ready. So we'll say four teams possibly ready for, for baseball this April, probably not, as we said, issues with Joplin. Oh, no, don't worry, though. They held tryouts in November, supposedly, or at least they planned to do that in July of last year, which is the last article they published on their website. They didn't right. even mention the struggles in Joplin. So that tells me he's afraid of critique, too. I mean, you know, obviously we don't want to call out, out Mark. We don't know him personally. I'm sure Mark chooses it. It's a great guy. I mean, he might. But I, don't, I mean, I can't even want to do Mark, what are you doing? It looks like I'm running this league, and I'm 21 and with no business experience. Uh, yeah. I could have told you this was not going to work. I mean, like, the general plan is a good idea. 
the cities you went after, I assume, are good. I know Waco's a big city. and Waco's a good city, yeah. yeah. That seems like a perfect location. Jonathan's also another great location. Dallas, kind of sketchy, but I mean, as we talked about last <laughs> week with Milwaukee, just because, I'm just saying it's sketchy just because of the size of the city. And because, oh, you, right, have, yeah. and and because you have the ranges right outside there. Yeah, Amongst other area. things there, plus, I mean, in the summertime, they're still focused on the Cowboys, too. So yeah. You have to compete with that. I mean, Milwaukee, a little bit of Packeritis, but I mean, they're not, you know, as much. Right, yeah, I mean... But Dallas should have enough of a enough of a draw, that they should have that kind of a population just because of the size of that city and the area that you should be able to support. So then I mean, you have good cities there, and I assume the other two in Texas were going to be a similar sized cities that don't have a team right now. Probably, and uh, you know, Lovick or something like that, you could see uh, them putting a, a team in there or somewhere like that. But I think, the, you know, just the issue that we're talking about is, is leadership, and I think it's... it's okay, it starts at the top. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, we're calling out Mark here a little bit, and I, and I again, I don't want to seem like we're hating on him, but it, it's just, when we read these things, when we get this information, we see the impact, uh, to go back to my article, that in, independent league baseball can have on areas economically and also just uh, for overall morale of cities, and to see a league fail, like this one is you know, on its way to, hope we hope not. I mean, hopefully not. I would hope it doesn't, but I mean, at this point, everything points towards it. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it looks like it's almost inevitable failure uh, for this league, and I think that that really hurts a lot of the other independent leagues um, in terms of their credibility and their ability to keep building. Obviously, it does. It, it, does. It, yeah. it affects the community, like you're, going, like you're about to say. It affects the community and how it's looked at, especially when you have this grand plan to be like the 1A to the some to like uh, the Atlantic League, it it's definitely needed out west. I mean, what team really is out west? I mean, I understand Texas Sugar more. Sugarland. Like the, yeah, it's the uh, the Atlantic League there, which then brings me to another point that I'm going to touch on in one second of what happens to Waco and Roy City. Right. But I mean, like it does hurt the credibility. Like this Pac Pro out in uh, out in California, the Pacific Pro Association. There's the Pecos League, which is <laughs> kind oh of a pay-to-play league. I mean, there's an there's an article, I believe, from Indie Ball Island uh, about six to eight months ago on what life is like in the Pecos League, and there's numerous uh, videos and whatnot there about it, and it's not exactly flattering. It's not flattering, though. <laughs> I mean, like, some of the players actually have to pay $2,000 to play in the league. <laughs> they don't get any real... Like, sometimes they just run out of hopes. Host families or hotel rooms, so it's just like, yeah, you're on your own. They don't oh, really God. supply meals. They don't really do a lot of the standard things expected of indie league ball. So, I mean, like, they're questionable there, so I wouldn't really count them. No, that pro is a step up from it because at least they have things together. They have a social media presence. Their website's not looking like it was built in 1993, <laughs> which really seriously go onto the, to the uh, Pecos League website. It looks like something straight out of 1993, I swear to God. It looks like, <laughs> it looks like some kid's uh, computer programming homework. But, hey, don't make fun of it, Nancy. <laughs> it, we, 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 sure, we are sure that people at the Pecos League gave at least 25% effort in attempting to build the website. I am, it's, I am positive they, they at least gave it the old college drive. Meh, I mean, it's good enough. You I know, mean, what, like, what do you like want? Like, the deadline's due in, like, four hours. Like, <laughs> let's see here. I'm going to change the background from white to black, so that way you can view it at night and be easier on the ice. <laughs> so, uh, there's, there's that. And, I mean, really, I say that it's all in the uh, central. It's all central, which I understand Texas is more like the central region of the U.S. as opposed to the West, but even still, that's a good starting ground. Right, yeah, I mean, I think, I, you know, you could say Texas, you know, geographically, you might, I could say, we'll say it's Western United States. Exactly, uh, it's, it's on that verge, that where you wouldn't be wrong either way. Right. It's just, 
there really is the need. The need they were trying to fill is there. And Absolutely. it was a good idea. Like, let me get all, let me get this straight here. I don't get on Mark for having the idea. I believe it was a great idea. I think it was a great concept. Yep. And that it does have a chance to succeed. I think it was just poor management and poor planning. I think it would have been better off keeping that 16 idea, either spreading it out more, or managing it better and setting a realistic timeline. Because he says he spent almost four years on this. So if we were to say four years ago he started working on this, so in 20, let's see, that bit was published early this year, so let's say, let's give him the benefit of the doubt, say in 2014 he started. 2014, maybe 2013. Yeah, so right, 2013 is probably when he got the idea. Probably. And then started going into some general, like, surveys, talking to people on town councils, things yep. like that, you know, basic groundwork for, an ex- basically an exploratory launch. Right. And so then 14, let's say he started working on it. He started going in on it, and he starts building things up and everything, and has 2018 in mind. I have a very difficult time believing that you had 2018 as a realistic goal, and nowhere in that four or five years' time, you said, maybe this isn't going to be realistic anymore. <laughs> maybe we should push it back. And then you have to wait and say, we're going to push it back to 2019. Give yourself more time. 2020 would have been a better idea. Yeah, 2021 20- would have been a better idea. You because now now he's in the point. The, now they're stuck. Now it's like, where do we go from here? Do we move back again to another year? Do we keep? You know, if they would have if they would have said, okay, so we we exactly. overestimated. Exactly. Let's move it back to twenty twenty one. Done. Everything's fine. But the problem is now that they got to keep pushing it back year after year after year. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be crazy. Okay, and this is a kind of final touch note on this before we go ahead and just quickly touch on Waco. Yeah. All that. This is not the kind of sport you can go ahead and afford to do that in. No, absolutely not. If you have not. a football league or something like that, you can afford to kind of play around with it a little bit. You get some flexibility, especially in Texas. Texas football, you can basically do whatever you want as long as you promise a decent enough product. 100%. Absolutely true. Te- football is king in Texas. Baseball is probably a secondary sport. Definitely. It's close to it. And the fact it's independent league baseball, you have to understand that there is going to be less of a following. You have to understand when it's 103 outside, you're going to not have a full ballpark. Right. You have to understand that, you know, if Cowboy Minicamp opening, you're probably not going to get a full ballpark. You have to understand that if the Rangers are playing the Astros, or it's a pennant race for either one of them, you're probably not getting a full ballpark. You have to understand these things. And the fact of the matter is, not that the fan base is fickle, it's just the group of people going to these games are, it's really last minute things. You're not planning this out months in advance, like you would say, go to a Yankees game and go, okay, well, I want to go to the game in May, let's buy the tickets in April. You're not really right. doing that. So it's not as simple as just saying, okay, let's start up a league, let's get everything going, let's get all this stuff running. It's not that easy. No, it's not. It's not that easy. And I think, you know, I really hope that they do figure it out. And, uh, you know, we'll be the first to, to, to keep you updated on it. If, if Mark does get everything figured out, we'll be praising him. We'll be on here. We'll be, you know, we'll be so happy to, to be able to give the good news to, to all the fans out there, but uh, unfortunately it just doesn't seem like it's going to take off at this point. Exactly, and if anyone from the Southwest League wants to comment, go ahead, choose a tweet, email us, all that information once again on our website. It's openly available. We'd love to get a comment from you. It, we don't want to just slam you one side. Like if you, you want to go ahead and contest anything we say, we're more than welcome to show that view. But right yeah. now, from what's available, and the fact you're not putting anything about the Joplin issue, on your website tells me that either you're trying to hide it or that you don't care. Right, and I, and I think that it'll be important 
to see where it goes. And also, we'd be very willing to have anyone from the Southwest Southwest League on if of they want to, you know, talk about it and, and you know, kind of debate us on this and say and give us more information, uh, maybe about where their what their their plan is. We'd be more than happy to oblige them. But for now, with the information we have, we just can't, you know, we can't set up. Can't, exactly. It's not we, responsible to we, say anything good about it. Exactly. With the facts available, this is what we have. And once again, all everywhere we get our sources from are listed in the show notes. If anyone wants to go ahead and look into it further, there's a jumping off point. If anyone from Southwest League wants to say that's not true, well, there's where we got it from. Take it up with them and then take it up with us from there. Yep. Right. And then just quickly, because we're running along on this subject, what do we think about Waco and Roy City? Because clearly they have stadiums. Even Jonathan clearly has a stadium. What happens with them? I think there's a good chance that if the Southwest League doesn't doesn't take off, doesn't become, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, obviously operating. in the scenario that's what's happening. Yeah, uh, yeah if, there's a, if they don't they don't become operating very soon, uh, other leagues will poach them and, and take them. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you could see the Atlantic League picking that's up another the, Texas team. That's what I was thinking because you have those really all three there. Now I'm not sure how willing they would be to go ahead and make that big of an expansion again. I think they've kind of made a point of not wanting to be as close to like their starting region of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. Right. I think that's been kind of clear with Sugarland and High Point as of recent. But it would be interesting if you said move the Blue Crabs up out of the division they're in, which has Sugarland in it. You move them up, you add Royce and Waco into that, and then you basically have a Texas division. Yeah. Which would cut down on travel a lot. Now, the other teams that would be there, I don't think would be very happy about that. <laughs> Probably not. But at the same time, you wouldn't just be going out there to Sugarland and then flying back. You could go to Sugarland, play some games, and then fly back out, and I think it would help the scheduling a bit. It would be a good plan for the Atlantic League. It would help them with expansion. It would also help with the health of the league. Obviously, the Atlantic League is really very healthy, but it would also help with the expansion and, and the idea of making it more of a, as you're saying, national thing, more than exactly. just an East Coast uh, kind of a deal. Exactly. So it would help. It would help Sugarland too because it's such an they advantage. They get a rivalry yeah. out of this too. I mean, think of it like yeah. you had Waco in there. Waco's a big city. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Waco could be a great rivalry for them. Now, I'm not Absolutely. really sure about the geography of how close Sugarland is to Waco, but I can tell right. you this much: Sugarland's a lot closer to Waco than it is to High Point, North Carolina, or or, 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 or Somerset, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, or or Southern Maryland. Yeah, I can guarantee you that. So I can see that, or even. As we said uh, last week, with some of the teams leaving the Frontier League, maybe something like that. Maybe yeah, I can the, see the Frontier maybe, League pick them up. Yeah, maybe an American Association goes back to Joplin or goes back yeah. or goes to Texas for that. That yep. could be something. I, that's something I'm really going to be interested to see. If it fails, where those teams go, because clearly they have the stadiums. They do, yeah. It's I mean, just having the ownership group. Right, and, and Waco definitely seems like they're they're ready to go. I mean, they're, they're, they have everything in order. It's just not necessarily the rest of the league that exactly. has everything in order. Everything else. All right, so moving on from there, we're going to go over to the McCoy Stadium now, which is the current home of the Pawtucket Paw Sox, a AAA affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. Now, the reason we're bringing them an affiliate team here is because McCoy is not going to be home to the Paw Sox after 2020. In 2021, the Paw Sox are moving to Worcester, Massachusetts, at the tentatively named Polar Park, the brand new ballpark is being <laughs> built there and everything. It's probably going to get a corporate sponsor fairly soon. I like Polar Park. I mean, you got, you got character, of course. They all like character. Char- I like character as well. Yeah. So, stat line on McCoy. It was built in 1942, so right around World War II, and it wasn't renovated for about another 57 years. In 1999, it got a renovation. 
definitely needed it. I'm saying that right now. Oh yeah, and it still needs it. Yeah, because probably. the thing is, it's falling apart. And that's kind of the reason why the Pawsocks are leaving. Is because over the last well, since the twenty fourteen fiscal year if, if I, no, twenty seventeen, my mistake. <laughs> Don't read my notes, right? Come on. They've spent four hundred thousand dollars on McCoy in about a year and a half. <laughs> now the problem is What's the problem? The chair just picked up when I got up. What's the big deal, you know? Oh, no. What the problem was, was leaking. Oh, I It was leaking. I presume water. I don't... I <laughs> don't hope water. I mean, if it's something else, then that's a much bigger issue yeah. in and of itself. And... Yeah, what's the big there's deal? There's an infestation problem. Oh, no, wait. The 200,000 is for leaking. That's in the proposed budget. 400,000 okay. went to an infestation problem. Oh, an infestation problem. Yes. Hey, look, what's the big deal? You got a little bit of... A little bit of water, a couple of bugs. I mean, hey, play ball. Come on, pretend get over you're it. playing at the Oakland Coliseum. Come on, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, like I'm, they are major league team. They can play there. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> so the Red Sox wanted a new team, a new stadium built there. Understandably so. You don't want your AAA affiliate, you know, basically playing with their ankles high of water. Right. You don't want that. So they tried to get something done. It didn't get done. They want They're going to Worcester, which I imagine is about the same distance anyway. But it's it not doesn't. Far, yeah. It makes no difference. It's still close by, which is what they want. Yeah, Worcester might even be closer. I mean, it, it's it's negligible difference at at best. Yeah. So, so the governor of Rhode Island, uh, Gina Raimundo, who proposed in a two point six or $1.6 million for McCoy Stadium renovations. Uh, it'd be 800000 a year, 600000 would be going for repairs, those would be mainly for the leaks, and right. 200000 would go for a potential use survey. So that would go ahead and look at the future of McCoy. Basically, can we bring it back from the dead? Is it worth putting more money into? What's the game plan generally over there? So I would go ahead and uh, that's something to watch out for now. Yeah, definitely something to watch out for. I think, uh, you know, putting money into the stadium and, and putting sliding an independent league team in there would be absolutely perfect. I think that uh, it would be great for the city, and I think it would be great overall. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Also, the stadium, like you said, it's got such a rich history, uh, so it's very important to, uh, you know, think about that. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll uh, we'll shout out to some of uh, the people to, yeah. you know, get on board with that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... It's, it's an interesting thing here, because that study would then be conducted by the city of Pawtucket and the uh, State Commerce uh, Corporation, I assume it's basically the same thing as a committee. Um, yeah, maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll shout out to some people in the city of Pawtucket and see if we can, we can uh, you get know, some more information, more, more information, on, information that. on that. Because I would assume you'd want to use it. It's still a nice yeah. enough stadium. It's got some history to it, obviously. By just being old, it has history to it. Definitely. Now, that's not enough reason for it to be kept if it's not worth saving. I mean, you're dumping about a million dollars in since 2017 with this proposed budget. But something also important to note, this is just a proposed budget. This is not right. the standard budget. So things can change. You're dumping about a million dollars in over the course of three years, that's a lot of money. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, for that million, you go ahead, you double down, you build a sandwich that's about two million, three million, get a very nice new ballpark. Oh, yeah. Probably, it may not last as long as this one has, but even still, it would be worth the investment because you could go ahead and justify by going more people want to come here. Residents already know what McCoy looks like. If anything, they'll just come out for a swan song. That's about it. Maybe to relive nostalgia and then go, wow, this really sucks. <laughs> and then not want to come back. Like, Well, I mean, you can do a good job at renovation, though. It, it, if you do a good job at the renovation, but as right. it stands right now, I'm saying. Like, yeah, as it stands right now. I mean, think of it like this. Grandpa gets back from the war, goes to McCoy, sees a nice ball game. 
goes back occasionally while his kids are growing up. No one wants to go with his grandkids and go, wow, this place is really falling. Yeah, yeah falling fall, fall down it's a little bit there. So, I mean, like, right now you're not going to get a repeat business. I mean, if, if a stain is falling around, around me, falling down around me, rather, why am I going to go back? Right, uh, that's definitely a fair point. But I think that, again, it would be good for the city of Pawtucket to put the money into it, uh, you know, and, and you know, at least renovate it to the point where, if not, put a new stadium in its place hmm. um, so that, you know, you can continue baseball in Pawtucket, which would be, I think, definitely a good thing. Which is a nice segue into what the future of it may be, which the highly rumored thing was a New York Penn League team, which is a short season A ball team, which does make sense there. It was home to affiliated ball before, and it certainly could do it again. Obviously, we have a vested interest and a bias for indie ball, so we would like to see <laughs> we'd like to see somebody put something there. Oh, yeah. As we've discussed previously, New England's a right there because there's not really much there. Now, there's a lot of affiliated ball there, but that, I mean, you can still fill it in fill the gaps. Right, yeah, there's no, there's not a lot of indie league ball up there, uh, like you were saying before, so I mean, definitely worthwhile uh, to put an indie league team in there, but, but definitely affiliated team will work there, as we've seen, it's been working for the Red Sox for a long time. Of course, now obviously it would be a downgrading talent on the field, sure. but I mean, I feel like that's going to be a given anyway, you're not going to get to see the, the uh, Xander Bogarts and the Mookie Betts of the world make a stop in Pawtucket anymore, I mean, that, nope. those days are gone. Yeah, those they're, days are gone. They're not going to get a AAA team back unless you put in a top-of-the-line stadium with facilities up to the nines. And even then, you're going to need to get somebody to go ahead and co-sign on it, which I believe the Red Sox felt the right to go ahead and say no because that's their market of influence. Right. Particularly with Worcester, I assume they're close enough to be able to do that, and if not, there's got to be somebody there. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you can negotiate it, but even still, that's the, that's the thing to watch out for. Yep, definitely. And the team that was suspected to be moving there, if any, would be uh, Miami short A season, the uh, Batvia Muck Dogs, which are playing in less than stellar conditions at their stadium in uh, New York. So they could possibly move there. The Batvia does have a history of, uh, of baseball. It's had it for a long time, upwards of 50, 60 years. So if they move, that could even be a place to say, like a Can-Am League team. Back yeah, it seems like the kind of place you'd like. It's nice. It's almost like a nice in between between like the Tri-State area teams that are all centered near New York, within like you know, two hours of New York for each of them. Right. And the Canadian group. It's a nice in between. Now, obviously. Nice in between. Point. Exactly. exactly. But uh, also the the thing there is is will the Can-Am League be willing to <laughs> expand? And I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the health of the league. That's the question right. here. Now I would assume if they were willing to take on another two teams, because I assume you don't want just one coming yeah, in, you going to seven, and then having the two uh, foreign teams come in every year, we bring it a nine for a stretch, it'd be kind of an awkward number. You don't yeah. want an odd number in sports. You'd like nice and even, because if you go to eight, then you can go ahead two divisions of four, or you could just keep one large league of eight. Right. But I would assume you'd want to bring in somebody else. Now, rumor is Atlantic City's looking for a team, so maybe you do that. That'd be really, yeah, that'd be it'd really be, interesting. It'd be an interesting decision there, but at the same time, Rockland's interested in leaving the Canon League for the Atlantic League, so it's a kind of a push and pull, so that'd be yeah. interesting to see, and that's definitely a situation we're going to watch out for. Alright, so I'm not sure about you, but I think a seventh inning stretch would be good right now after the bit of the intense segments there. Yeah, definitely time for a, for a seventh inning stretch. Uh, so for the seventh inning stretch this week, uh, we've got a, a, an interesting topic that's going on right now in Major League Baseball. So in Major League Baseball, they've changed the disabled list to the injured list. A major change, no doubt. 
I'm not sure how I sleep at night here. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I understand the, the sentiment behind it. Uh, you know, the, the wanting to not offend anyone by the, the use of the word disabled. Um, but, but by the same token, disabled in its root means, you know, something You're not able to do something, you're injured. Right, yeah. Although, so, uh, just to step in real quick, supposedly the reason they changed it was just because disabled was just misleading. It made it seem like it was a long-term injury, but with the new things with, like the 10-day DL, 15-day DL, they said, well, you're not really disabled, you're just temporarily hurt. You're just unable to play for a short stretch. And that injury would be more of a, I suppose, more of an accurate title. I think it's kind of BS. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that, that it's it's not a necessary change. It seems like one of those moves where It's you a change get, for a change. It's a change for a change, and fine. I mean, you know, it's a tangible uh, difference. But I, I think that it's still, it's, it's important to... Uh, you know, kind of understand the, the, the background influences of these things. Mm. And I, I just think it's an interesting story that, you know, what what is the overall reason? What, like, why the, the owner sit down at the owner meeting and the league sits down and goes, yeah, you know what, this is the thing. There's a lot of problems in Major League Baseball, oh. as we'll talk about uh, in a few minutes, that, uh, you know, mm. that are far more important than let's change the disabled list to the <laughs> injured list. It's because they're scared of losing the younger viewership because they're seeing the numbers drop down. No, everybody's numbers are dropping because more people are streaming, and streaming numbers aren't factored in to cable numbers. Right. So that's what they're afraid of. And Major League Baseball has to understand it's not 1960 anymore. You are not bigger than the NFL anymore. You are second fiddle, and odds are you're not even bigger than the NBA. <laughs> because the odds of the NBA models will not follow. The NBA because models they are so successful, especially young among younger demographics. There are tons of people that don't even follow the NBA. They just follow the drama on Twitter yeah, for the NBA, right. and then that starts getting them in there. There's people that just play the the 2K games, and that gets gets them into it. Then then there's people that just throw it on the back because why not? There's always storylines from them, and it's always interesting. And that's what something Major League Baseball kind of lacks. Because right now, where are the big things of the offseason? Like, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. And how they're not signed, and how like a lot of players are saying, you know, it seems like the owners are saying, don't sign for that, because it's like, you're setting a bad precedent for the rest of us. Which, I kind of think that does have some grounds. I mean, yeah, certainly you don't want to go ahead and be the guy that signs the, th the player to the $300 million deal and then sets the tone for the rest of the market. Especially if you're the LA Angels, you really don't want that happening with Mike Trout about to come due, even though the numbers are already, okay, Mike, how many years? Yeah. Here's a blank check, Here's just check. write it in. Yeah, like, We're paying you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's the best player in baseball. Oh, and he's no been, doubt. He's, he's a generational talent, so oh, you're obviously yeah. not going to go ahead and let him walk. No. There is no way in hell he's walking. No, no way he's walking. Which I think is going to be interesting in August, or around August, like a trade deadline time. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't have a new deal, do you trade Mike Trout? I, I, I hope for the Yankees' sake that they, they do. I do not at all. That would be <laughs> terrible. That would honestly be god awful. That would be, be fantastic. So, <laughs> that would be interesting. Plus, then what's Mike Trout's value? What is his value? Oh, it's a lot, man. I would, is there a well, fair trade for Mike Trout? I don't know. I really don't know if you can. Project because no one projects to that same level of talent. Yet. Well, even straight up because what you'd have to give up to get him, it would be too much to go for one player because you have to keep in mind he's still just one player. Right, he is especially one in player, baseball. He's not, he is one player worth probably a top tier player at a position you have right now, another roster player, probably an additional roster player that's kind of a nice role player, a couple of top prospects that are blue chips. Yep. In addition to some other guys, probably international money. And then just yeah, money on top. Money, yeah. The amount of things you're gonna have to give to the angels would be a king's ransom, and that is not really 
is not really worth it, I want to say, for one player. Now, Grant, once again, he's a generational talent. He is the best player baseball seen in a very long time. Yeah, definitely. And that really, the, the I can only think of a few comparables, and I may be going off... Mickey Mantle. <laughs> I mean, like, Willie Mays is one of the guys I was thinking of. Yeah, Willie Mays. A Ken Griffey type, but Ken I Griffey, think he's yeah. better than Ken Griffey, to be honest. Yeah, definitely probably a better outfielder than Ken Griffey was, well, certainly as a stronger arm. I mean, like, that's the thing. The, the comparables to them are surefire first battle Hall of Famers. That's all there really is to compare him to. Absolutely. So... To be trading that, a guy not only to mention, he's in his prime right now, too. It's going to take a lot to get Mike Trout. It's gross mismanagement by the Angels that the fact that they have not won a championship with Mike the Trout. The fact yet. they haven't gotten po- deep in the postseason. I think they went once. Maybe in Mike, once. In the Mike Trout era. Which, if he doesn't win, if he doesn't, let me put it like this, if he doesn't even win an AL pennant or a league pennant, it will be the one of the most disappointing eras in baseball to see Mike Trout not win something. I don't yeah. think there's any... Like, it'd be up there with Ted Williams not winning a World Series. Right. It would and, be and like Dan that. Mar- it would be like Dan Marina. It's, it's like, like Dan Marina. Dan Marina never not winning the Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, how do you squander that much greatness? Yep. It's impressive. It Like, not even the Mets could grossly mismanage that. Like, <laughs> well, at least they, they got... They da- at least they got David Wright a damn pennant. Yeah, that's true. At least they got, they got him a pennant, and they got him within about one inning of another pennant. Yeah. And in the World Series appearance, they took that thing to over, or took it into extra innings several times in there, and there were winnable games. They were winnable games, yeah. The fact that, and he's went to the postseason several times in his career. That's the thing. At least he went three times. Yeah. At least he went three with a pennant win. Mike Trout hasn't even gotten that. Nope. He got a wild card exit, if I'm right. I, I, they might have won. Or he got kicked out in the divisional round. Yeah, it was. He didn't get, to the, he didn't get a chance to play for a pennant. That's, yeah. why, that's why I'm almost rooting for him to just leave and go almost anywhere else. <laughs> go anywhere but, but uh, the Not Angels. the Yankees, not the Yankees, <laughs> and not the NL East. Anywhere but that, go for it. Imagine him playing for, like, the Red Sox or the Cubs. Uh, no, I don't want to imagine Imagine that. that Benintendi, Betts, and Trout, and that outfit. No, I'm good. I'm good. That would be one hell. That would be it. Now, that's not going to happen because the Red Sox are already way over the luxury right, tax. Yeah, right so they're not going to do that. But no, if they not. did. If they did, it would be it would be terrible for me as a, as a Yankees fan. Actually, the team that the two teams that we should see because I can see this happening. If the White Sox get Machado, Trout would be a logical next step, I would think. Uh, if he yeah. hits the market, now that's always assuming that he hits the market. The I don't think market, I don't yeah. think you allow him to hit the market. And if he does, he is not hitting the market as an angel. He's hitting the market as whoever is the highest bidder at the deadline. Yep. And as the definition of a player, where you go, we don't need to trade him. It's just. We need everything. Like, right. It's like the, the end scene in Infinity War. What did it cost? Everything. It Literally. Everything. <laughs> what did it cost? Well, it cost me three minor league teams and half my <laughs> pro roster, but I got them. <laughs> look, look, we just sold the naming rights for the team. I mean, it's not, it's not like a big deal about this, but... Why are you talking about the Los Angeles Disney's like that, man? <laughs> the Mouses are going to have a terrific year this year. The Mouses are going to have a great year. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, and then earlier we had said we we're going to talk about the, some of the other things proposed for Major League Baseball. The three, the three batter for the pitcher role, I think is stupid, because <laughs> that is the definition of why aren't kids watching? The games are too long, and that's not keeping their interest. Well, what can we do to fix that? Well, we could cut down the time. How are we going to do that? Well, we already got rid of intentional walks, basically. Yeah, basically. We already cut down on mound visits. I got it. Let's cut down on bullpen uses. <laughs> it's like, 
Okay, I agree with the mound visit rule. I agree with that. If Keen guy come out for every other damn pitch and have a catcher come up just because their guy can't hit the strike zone, yeah, that's fine. terrible. Yeah, it's boring as hell, and you're wasting time. And oftentimes, just to get the, get a guy, uh, you know, speaking from yeah. experience, having played ball for a lot of years, you know, a lot of times when you're catching, you're just running out there to make sure that uh, make sure that that guy's calmed down, but also to get the guy in the bullpen ready. You're just, you know, you're 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 uh, all you're doing is uh, procrastinating and okay. making sure that guy in the bullpen's ready to go. Time. Yeah, I'm just wasting time. It's oh, not yeah. the use of time. Like, the the intentional walk, I didn't like it, but I can get over it. Right. Fine. Whatever. But, because I I think you should have to throw the four pitches. At the very least, make them throw at least one pitch, so that <laughs> if it goes wrong, something happens. But, like, the, the, the thing I don't like about the three batter is very simply, it's part of the strategy. If you want to use three pitches to get three batters, that's good for you. You just used about a third of your staff or a quarter of your staff to get them. Right. So that's on you now. If you're going, okay, I need to get this. I need to get this side out. I need to take my starter out. I want to bring my left-handed guy in, and then I'm going to bring the guy after that. That's fine. Just now, no. You just use two of your bullpen arms. So you probably only got about five to seven up. Yeah, I mean, and especially if a guy went ahead and played the day before too. Now you're getting a shorter pen. So now that's on you. That's a strategy aspect that I don't like picking out. Right, and I think the the rule change would hurt uh, teams like the Yankees the most, teams with really good bullpens, mm-hmm. where they're going to be relying on them, you know, and, and they'll keep switching out guys until, uh, you know, till, till the cows come home. They'll just keep, you know, Boone will run out there if a guy throws, like, you know, two balls in a row. <laughs> and the thing is, doing it now especially screws with teams. They oh, just yeah. signed relievers to, like, Two, three-year contracts. If Big I knew money you were gonna, deals yeah, too. If you, if I knew you're going to do that, I wouldn't have signed that reliever. I wouldn't have signed as many relievers. I wouldn't have put as much money into that many relievers. Right. I would have went ahead and been far more conservative with the amount of money that was being spent here. Yeah, so that's not fair. And then the DH rule that can go screw itself. <laughs> I don't care. The DH does not belong in the NL. So it's we, one of the things about baseball here, and I'm willing to die on this so hill, we are on, that that's not allowed. We are on opposite sides of this issue here. I, I think the it makes the game of baseball better. I really think the, the DH, you know, look, pitchers, you know, having played high school baseball, pitchers, even in high school, they don't hit. They don't hit in high school, and then you bring them up to the major leagues, that's they're the terrible. The they're awful. It's not my fault any old pitchers don't know how to hit and run. Neither do the NL pitchers. Well, then, Most of them okay, are terrible. So if they can't hit, then why should we have to have a defensive specialist hit? Why can't I go ahead and say, my pitcher's good at hitting, Syndergaard's good at hitting, Bumgarner's good at hitting, there's dozens of so those that are terrific couple... hitting, and you get the best moment in baseball, Bartolo Colon hitting a home run wouldn't happen <laughs> if not if for That is not the best moment in baseball. That is one of the best moments in baseball. The fact that Bartolo Colon took James Shields long, and James Shields to never live that down. That, I've forgotten the guy that Barry Bonds hit his record home run off of, but James Shields will never die for that. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, is that, yes, I mean, the pitcher hitting creates funny moments like that and great moments, but it's such an advantage. It's a it's strategy advantage. aspect. It's such a disadvantage for AL So teams. I have to carry one? Yeah, two, tough for the AL. I mean, Okay, yeah, fine. But the other thing is that uh, the the major issue is that pitchers get hurt a lot when they're playing and when they're they hitting. They never do in the NL, only in the AL, because they're not used to it. Right. Because Tanaka doesn't know how to run, should not affect the NL. I mean, the AL can do what they want. Which, by the way, the DH is brought in as an all-star league gimmick, but the AL said, huh, let's adopt this. And the NL said, no, that's not baseball. That's why that happened. And it's not like some sacred thing that's been since the start of time. It only happened in the 70s. 
So let's get that out of the way. It's a, it's a smart and adjustment to the game not, because oh, pitching puts not, so much pitch, no, 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 Listen, listen. Pitching puts so much stress on the on, on the arms and the and the and the extremities of pitchers, and it puts so much mental and physical stress on them that hitting a whole separate uh, a whole separate use of their body is very difficult to do. They shouldn't have to do that. It is it is inherently dangerous for them to do this. I have never heard of anything like that. How come that it's there is never and. Please, I mean, you're th they're throwing a ball. It's not. This isn't 1950 where they're lobbing them at 60 miles an hour. They're throwing 99 miles an hour, and then you're telling them to it's go. It's the fact they're throwing 99 miles an hour that's killing their arm and giving them Tommy John. Your the right. human arm is not meant to throw that hard, so they should adjust for that. They should not adjust <laughs> the rules of baseball that have been around for hundreds of they years. They should. The this game has. Not, to, we were talking all about the game adapting. The game has to adapt and in order to become more interesting. That yes, it does. Is not any more interesting. It makes it way more it interesting. No more to interesting. see a pitcher well, then, well, then give me this. Okay. So then why don't we just go ahead and say, okay, well, if the pitcher is supposed to pitch, the fielder is only supposed to field. So then why do they have to hit? Why don't we just have a whole slot for batting, and then we'll get a whole slot for pitching and a whole slot for fielding. We'll have different teams for each, and it'll be like football. Then we get the best batters who only have to focus on hitting the ball 400 feet, and we get the fielders that are the gold glovers that can't hit above 200, and we'll get the best pitchers. Then why don't we do that then? I mean, obviously that's that's a completely ridiculous uh, idea. It's no but, more ridiculous than having a guy go, no, look, you're only supposed to pitch, and I only want you to focus on that. So we're going to bring in this guy that can hit for average and can only hit 400 hit 400 home runs in his career, and he's a mainly a DH. And but what I'm saying is that the, the the product that you're going to get on the field of watching that guy hit his 400 career home runs as pertaining to watching a pitcher strike out three times, looking at, you know, three strikes right down the middle of the plate, which is like 90% of the time what happens, or they bunt, and some of them can't even get the bunt down. You're it's looking at the macro, though. If I'm watching a game, I don't care that Adam John just hit home run number 335. I don't care. But you know what does pique my interest? When it's the middle of July in game number 85, when Syndergaard hits a home run. When Syndergaard hits his second of the game. That gets me interested. That so, makes headlines. Not... Adam Dunn hitting, you know, random home run number here. But the thing is, is that a lot of DHs now aren't just those, you know, one swing kind of guys. A lot of them. Chris are... Carter just got a contract, and that's what he is. Right. I mean, and those guys do exist, but they, you know, there are important. There are guys who are, who are a lot who do a lot of different things and aren't just, um, you know, one swing guys that are DHs and they they, they upgrade speed David on the base Ortiz. pass. It's, it's 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 a lot safer for pitchers. It makes sense for the league. It makes it more fun because you're seeing. Guys who practice pitchers not more fun when they when the Mets play in the AL. It is the most aggravating thing here. I hate it with a passion. There's a strategy aspect that's lost from it. If you go, okay, I know I got the pitcher coming up next inning. That could be the time I make a sub, or I leave him on deck and then I pull him back. It it adds to the strategy as opposed to yeah, I'll just we'll pull him here. I'll pull him here. It takes an aspect away from the game. It doesn't take an aspect away from the game. It allows the fans to see people who actually practice hitting. Pitchers are so focused on what they have to do for games ban or for game game plans that they that they're they get ready to um you know, they get ready to, to, to pitch and make their game plans, and they don't get ready to, you know, go up there and hit. They they just stand there and, you know, oh, three strikes, three strikes. You know, great. If I want to watch a pitcher strike out eight times, uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll go to a little league team. At the same time, if I want to see somebody just that comes up and gets four times he steps on the field all game, I'll go ahead and I'll watch some other ball game in the 
in the park. I don't want to go ahead and pay good money to see one guy get up four times, still go ahead and barely get a hit. Like, yeah, he'll hit better than a pitcher, but not enough to warrant having his own position. What are you talking about? I mean, pitchers pitchers routinely go bat about 100. You know, the, the hitters, the DHs, they're batting about 250 to 300, some of them. I mean, you know, you're taking... Some of them. A some of them. Not many of them, Most though. of them. Most no. of them hit... Most no. of them are professional hitters who do a very it's good a job. It's a waste of a roster spot is what it is. Wrong. It's a waste of a roster spot. That's I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it back. This has been on way too long. That's it for the seventh inning stretch. We're coming for home now with our last topic here. So, what we got here is a trio of moves made by some of the East Coast Indy League teams here as we get back on topic. And they signed some uh, some former major leaguers and the Indie Ball Player of the Year got a contract here. So I'm going to kick it off with James Looney and then we're going to kind of go back and forth amongst these guys. So James Looney, he signed with the Sugarland Skaters to, this past week, uh, obviously the Atlantic League. Let me give you his MLB numbers. They're all right. They're pedestrian. You know, he has a war just above 12. He has over 1,400 hits, 1,425 to be exact, 108 home runs, 20, uh, 284, just under 700 ribbies, 38 stolen bases, and an on-base percentage of 336, and just under 1,500 games. So a serviceable career. Nothing that spectacular. No, not, not, not spectacular. He was a good player for a couple of years. Uh, mainly with the Dodgers. Mainly with the Dodgers. Obviously, by the time he got to the Mets, I think. Yeah, he, he Mets was, was his last stop in uh, 16. Yeah, yeah. by that time, he was not you know, the same player he was with the exactly. Dodgers. Exactly. What he is is being replaced, which is an older role player. I'm going to replace it with a young, more cost-controlled guy. Right. Now, and that, that's been proven as the last time he really played organized professional baseball that I could find was in the KBO in 2017, so the Korean League. Right. But he only lasted there for a little bit after he said, I don't want to be demoted to the second-tier Korean League. Understandable so if a guy like James Loney's status, being demoted is not really something you do. No. I mean, like, it's one thing if you're playing in the minors over here to go to a league that's less than that, that's essentially the equivalent of, like, a better version of an Atlantic League in the KBO, to then go to their minor leagues. It's, you yeah. might as well do that over here. Yeah, definitely. Um, just also one thing that's important to note, and with Sugarland, he will be an infielder. They plan to use him a little bit as a pitcher, and they do plan him to go ahead and uh, be a player coach. Yeah. And he is 34 years old. Yeah, he's 34, uh, and he'll be, a, he'll be a good addition for them. He's got a lot of experience, and I think it's a good pickup for uh, the Skeeters. Oh, it certainly is. They just actually signed another former major league today. Uh, Stanley is a catcher. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one. We'll talk about that well, one next week. But I'm going to probably be more in the coverage of when we do our league previews come yeah. March and April. But uh, it's just something to note. It seems like Sugarland's really putting together a strong team. Yeah, so definitely. I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, Sugarland could definitely be good next year. Uh, so yeah. moving right along here. Uh, so the Sussex County Miners picked up Pedro Siriaco, um, and he was also played in Major League Baseball, and he's also the brother of Audi Siriaco, uh, Miners legend. Audie he Siriaco. came up with a big hit there in that uh, in that game six there, which he there's did. an article about on the website. Go ahead, feel free to take a look at that. Which, well, you'd just like to take a moment here because we forgot to do this in the pre in like the. Uh, preamble. Thanks to Sussex for responding to that and taking a look at that article. Appreciate that for the miners to go ahead and, uh, and tag us in the response. Yeah, that was really really great of the miners to uh, tag us and you know give us a little bit of uh, give a little bit of a shout out there. We really appreciate. Exactly, that. we didn't need to do it, but they still did it. Very classy move. Yep. And so moving along. Uh, yeah, back on topic. Yep. Syriaco's uh, numbers in the MLB. He had a one WAR, 
Um, he had 164 hits, 5 home runs, a 268 batting average, 51 RBIs, 35 stolen bases, a 294 on-base percentage, and, in, in, and he did all this in 272 games played. So obviously not a very long career, yeah, but... Much more of a role-player type guy. Right, much more of a lo- role-player type, but definitely a good talent, uh, you know, and, and obviously mm-hmm. his, his brother... Also, is a good talent, so it'll be great for the miners, I think, to have both of them in there, yeah. uh, and it really is going to help the team to gel. You know, adding player, players like this will only help them to uh, defend their title. Yeah, I think, and I think Bobby Jones had a quote in there somewhere about this is the first time the two brothers have played together. Yeah, yeah, I, I have it right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Jones, uh, Sussex County manager, said, uh, "I like the I like interchangeable pieces." Uh, and he can definitely move around defensively. The family dynamic is also huge. He and Audie have never played together, and now our team will have a big league brother. Uh, and that was, again, from Bobby Jones, Sussex County manager. Yep, and I like to see that kind of dynamic here. It's going to be very interesting to see. Obviously, after the championship run, you get a range drain. That's just what's going to happen. Players are going to move on. They're going to go to better leagues and, yep. and the whole nine here. I mean, there's... You're going to see players move up, go into affiliated ball and all that. Like, I know Martin Figueroa was signed shortly after hitting that walk-off Yeah, <laughs> Martin Figueroa didn't... didn't he didn't know. last long. Nope, uh, didn't I think Mikey Reynolds is doing a terrific job in the Australian League. That he just, is, yeah. That just wrapped up shortly or is wrapping up very shortly. And so I imagine guys like that, they're not going to be coming back. Obviously, we'll get some guys back, like uh, Siriaco is going to be coming back. I believe uh, Nick Saharian coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. Among, among other guys. So you're going to have some guys coming back to try and defend the title and the, and the whole nine there. But the game major league talent, especially in this league, is very is very encouraging to see. Now, I'm kind of curious to see if he's going to be like the Matt Latos of this year. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know, like that's something I definitely would be interested to see. Because, I mean, Latos didn't have a, a great effect on the Jackals if you look at his numbers. But, I mean, also, to be fair, it's not really a pitcher's league. There's some leagues that just are heavily batter-dominated, so maybe right. Syriaco fares better, plus maybe he just needs that everyday time. Because yeah. there's a reason he keeps getting called up. I mean, you get called up and play 272 games in Major League Baseball, you're clearly a good player. Clearly, Maybe yeah. it's just that lack of stability which a team like Sussex could offer. Yeah. Now, I'd imagine, and feel free to jump in, I imagine he stays with the team for most of the year. I think he'll stay with the team for, for the most, of, most of the year, if not the whole year, because... Mm-hmm. When you get in, in this situation, like you're saying, he needs that stability. He hasn't been in the MLB um, since 2015. Yeah. Uh, so it's very important for him to get stability, to really be in one place, and then allow scouts to look at his whole body of work and where he is now. Yeah. So I, I, I say that he stays with the minors uh, at least until that September. I'd kind say of like right around August is where I was thinking, because at that point now you really can't draw on any more guys that you've if you want him on your playoff roster. So you have to sign guys, and if he does do well, it does show, okay, he has major league experience, yep. he's finally starting to put together, maybe it just like took him a bit of time to get together, and the stability is what helped him out, maybe we can ride this hot hand into the playoff run, or at the very least, see what we have going into next year. So that's that's definitely something there. And uh, then we got a little bit on uh, Jordani Valdespin. Yeah, Jordani Valdespin. Um, Probably the worst of all these guys. Yeah, probably the worst of all these guys. If you For love. major league time, at least. Yeah, it's major league time. Uh, you know, not a good war. Uh, 92 hits, 15 home runs, 216 batting average, 52 RBIs, uh, 15 stolen bases. So he's got a little bit of speed. Um, and and this is in uh, 214 games yeah. played. So again, less less games. Yeah, at least amount of everyone. So he does have the smallest body of work. However, not that much smaller than Siriaco. Right. I mean, was it about 56 games or so? Yeah, 56 games. Or yeah. So. so I mean, still, and Siriaco's at least able to be 
uh, one win above replacement player, as opposed to uh, Valdespin, who went ahead and he's a worse than replacement. He's a minus 0.8 war. He's below replacement. Literally, you grab anyone else, put him in there. They should be playing better. Yeah, uh, minus 0.8. I don't want to say it. I don't want to call him out. <laughs> it's what his number yeah. says. Get back to the, get back to the majors, which is what he's about to do with the Twins. Yep. You can improve it. Because he just signed a minor league deal with the Twins for 2019 after being named Baseball America's Indie Ball Player of the Year. Yep. So he was the best guy there. His numbers went something like this. Now, we don't have the war for him because, well, it's hard to track advanced metrics in Indie Ball. That's not something that's really kept up to date there. And even when you do find him, you got to question him because it's not really as uh, immaculate as it is in Major League Baseball. Cause it's not, right, yeah, the staff keeping isn't as good. Exactly. It's just the way it is. So in at Long Island he had 154 hits, he batted 3.38 with 12 home runs, 55 ribbies, and 30 stolen bases. He only struck out 58 times in 113 games, and he did manage to draw 46 walks and score 94 runs. So clearly he had a bit of a renaissance here, um, and definitely did earn his Player of the Year title. Uh, the reason he didn't really stick in Major League Baseball, besides the fact that he was that kind of borderline player that's right. really like the definition of a quadruple A player mm-hmm. was when he was with the Mets, and Mets fans will know this, he really didn't act professional. <laughs> uh, he, had several, yeah, he had several dress code violations. Um, no tie? Uh, more than that. Oh, but, good. oh goodness. Um, and the main thing for the team aspect was he was celebrating home runs when the Mets were down. And not down by like one or two and on a rally, more like we're down by six or seven at the eighth inning and you're pimping a home run. <laughs> you know, bat flip after a one a solo shot, you know? Yeah, to make it 15 to three as opposed oh, to 15 God. to two. So when you do stuff like that, obviously, you know, it's like, well, what the hell is he doing? Yeah, you know, and that's the problem is a lot of guys' character issues can get in the way of careers. And I think, but I think go, for a guy like that, going into independent league baseball is definitely a good thing. That and also the fact that uh, the main thing that really did cast him on Major League Baseball was he was caught up in the biogenesis scandal. Right. So that was kind of like the black mark of, okay, you're a questionable player that's not exactly the most professional guy, and you got this on you, that's your third strike, get out. Yeah, I mean, biogenesis, the biogenesis scandal hit a lot of people, obviously, most notably, Alex Rodriguez and players like that, but, you know, those things happen, and, you know, baseball has had problems with uh, steroids for a very, very long time, and I think it's important, though, to not you know, completely get away from those guys, allow them back into the game. Exactly. Uh, they just need to go out and be told this is not appropriate. And he's definitely earned his stripes. Exactly. He's, he's, he went, went to Long Island, you know, did his thing, and then yeah. now he's ready to ready to come back. Yeah, so he went to Long him. Island after being bounced around minor league baseball from basically 2014 on. I mean, he stuck with the Marlins a little bit in 14. Right. He had two games in 15, but I don't really, I mean, it doesn't really count that much. No. I mean, it counts, but it doesn't. It counts, but it's not obviously a substantial amount of time and playing time. And, Exactly that, and then he also bounced around the Mexican leagues for a little bit, and then he yep. came to Long Island, and then he really grew as a player. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see him grow from there, and hopefully he sticks with the Twins. And obviously if he doesn't, I'm sure Long Island would be more than happy to have him back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so with that, that's about all we got for the day. Um, got anything else to add? Uh, just last minute edition. Uh, make sure you take a, uh, keep an eye out for our, our article that will be posted this week. Um, and it will be about the uh, stability of the Atlantic League and the Can-Am League. All right, that's definitely going to be something to look out for. 
Uh, just on the aside there, we forgot to mention in the seventh inning stretch, or at least I forgot to mention rather, that uh, there is also a new football league, a spring league watching, kind of an independent spring league called the Alliance of American Football that is broadcasting Saturday, so later in the day that this goes up, and the following day on CBS and CBS Sports Network. They are basically the indie ball of football, so I feel like it's appropriate to give them mention and to tell you to definitely check them out. They have some stars you know, like Trent Richardson, yep. uh, Matt Sims, Aaron Murray, uh, Nick Novak's there, uh, Bishop Swanky's there, amongst other players that you do know, you'll recognize some of them, and I definitely recommend giving that a view. You can go ahead and view them on TV or from the Alliance of American Football app that dropped about a day and a half ago, and that's available on iOS and on Android. Go so, Birmingham Iron! Yep, gotta work for the iron there, my guy Tim Lewis. So with that being said, let's get our plugs in here and then get out of here. So be sure to go ahead, follow the podcast, follow our RSS feed. You can do that on Podomatic, on iTunes now, or on Spotify. Be sure to give us a follow and a subscribe on all of those. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's also Indie Ball Report. we got some good content coming up there in the near future. Be sure to look at the website for articles such as the case for Independent League Baseball and the upcoming article on the Atlantic League and Can-Am League stability. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter where you can go ahead and get all the updates from us going forward. So, following all those, and until then, play ball. Well.